Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. I'm your host, Mike Moody. This week's AgCast features our own Jacob Davis, Executive Director of the Alabama Peanut Producers Association, who will have a great conversation with Bob Parker, President and CEO of the National Peanut Board. And in the wrap-up, Carla Hornady will give us highlights from last week's Washington Legislative Conference. We're glad to have you with us today, Bob. Thank you, Jacob. I'm glad to be here with you. All right. Well, let's let's get started finding out a little bit more about your role and the organization you work with. So who is the National Peanut Board and what do you do? The National Peanut Board is um, what we would call the checkoff board, the National Checkoff Board for peanuts. It's totally funded by peanut farmers through an assessment uh, that's remitted for each ton of peanuts sold. And that money goes to fund our operations. It um, is um, overseen by a board of farmers. We have uh, board members from every major peanut producing state, including Alabama. Tom Corcoran is our board member from the state of Alabama. These board members are appointed by the Secretary of Agriculture. And we have board members from each primary producing state, and then we have a board member from what we call the at large states, and those are the states not large enough to qualify for a full board seat. Okay, well, uh, that's great. Uh, we, of course, the Alabama Peanut Producers Association is a, the state checkoff organization, and, and we work with y'all right. on a, a lot of different projects throughout the year. Very close. So, very close. That's right. What is the latest information about peanuts? that you'd like to share that has you excited about the future? Well, I'm I'm probably most excited about the record consumption levels that peanuts are enjoying right now. And we track the consumption uh, on a per capita basis. And the per capita consumption of peanuts in the United States in 2021 hit an all-time record of 7.9 pounds per capita. And if you add what's consumed for oil, that uh, 7.9 pounds is for edible consumption. Add two-tenths of a pound to that for what's consumed for peanut oil, and we're over eight pounds per man, woman, and child in the United States consumption of peanuts. So that's exciting. Our mission is to improve the economics of America's peanut farmers and their families. And we do that in several ways. We do that through um, promotion, research, marketing, and promotion. We uh, do domestic promotion, and uh, we fund production research. We also do reputation management, where we work on things such as peanut allergy to uh, lessen the impact of that against consumption. And that's one of the things we uh, we take a lot of pride in, to see the, the per capita consumption grow like it has. Absolutely. You know, we're excited about that in Alabama as well. Uh, 
Uh, we, along with National Peanut Board, do a lot of efforts to try to drive those consumption numbers, and, and that is great news uh, that we've got that high per capita consumption in the United States. And we know one of the latest trends consumers are interested in is sustainability. Uh, so what do peanuts have to offer in that space? I believe that peanuts are the most sustainable of, of all of the nuts, and we have some data, some limited data that can prove that in water usage to produce a one-ounce serving size. Um, and then we we have other information that we believe indicates that peanuts are the most sustainable of the nuts, and actually one of the most sustainable sources of protein that there is. Uh, the water usage to produce a one-ounce serving size of peanuts is 3.2 gallons uh, compared to uh, if you compare to almonds, pistachios, walnuts, those three nuts run somewhere around 25 gallons to produce a one ounce serving size. And, and not uh, in, in any way uh, downplaying their sustainability because those are low numbers for protein, but it just shows you how exceptional peanuts are in water usage. Where we're lacking is in other metrics to demonstrate the sustainability of peanuts. And that's where we need more data. We need more hardcore data. Today's consumer wants to know where their food comes from. They want to know that it's sustainable. It's very important, especially with younger consumers. We look at millennial population and we look at what we call the Gen Z population. And those are the, the young people that are still in college and just graduating from college. Sustainability after flavor and cost are, is probably the highest ranking uh, component in their decision making on what they buy. And they don't just take our word for it. They want evidence that we are sustainable, that peanuts are sustainable. And it's important to us if we want to continue to grow consumption and to grow demand to um, to, to grow uh, interest in purchasing peanuts from farmers, by shellers, and by manufacturers, that we drive it at the consumer level and we continue to increase demand as, as we've been able to do over the last 20 years. And uh, sustainability is going to be one of those big things. Well, I, I agree. That's uh, one of the buzzwords that's going around now is sustainability. And and we know that uh, part of our mission as checkoff organizations also is is helping uh, peanut with peanut research. So in what way does sustainability benefit the farmer and how does research impact that? I think if a farmer looks at it, the sustainability metrics, if he or she participates in one of the programs that's being proposed for the industry that will uh, uh, measure data from individual farmers and aggregate that data anonymously where an individual farmer's results won't be public or even uh, discernible by anybody, um, 
but the farmer will get feedback. The farmer will be able to see how they compare to other farmers in different uh, metrics like water usage, energy usage, pesticides, um, the um, the land um, use category. How much, you know, in, in simple terms, when you look at land use, uh, how many how many pounds of crop do you produce on an acre? Um, and sustainability, I think, translates to profitability. And profitability translates to sustainability to the farmer so that the farmer can be sustainable to continue the operation for their family and for their um, their children and their grandchildren to follow. So it's a very important measure, I think, in not only the impact you're having on the environment. I think most people think of sustainability right off the gate as what's the impact on the environment. And that is important. That's the most important thing to the consumer. To the farmer, to me, sustainability is how can they continue their farm operation in a profitable way to provide a quality of life to their family and to future generations. That's where research comes in. We fund over $2 million a year in production research, and we partner with the state associations like Alabama to make sure that this research goes to um, projects that will influence farmers, make them more productive. I always um, say, you know, when, when we look at the mission of the peanut board, we we talk about improving the economics of farm families. When I really put it in simple terms, we try to figure out how to help farmers sell more peanuts and how to produce them more efficiently and produce more of them. And what that does is it drives down the cost of, of production for the farmer and um, makes it where uh, we can produce peanuts economically, the consumer can get a good value for the products that they buy that contain peanuts, and we can be uh, competitive against other uh, choices that the consumer may have out there. Absolutely, man. Uh, I know when it comes to research, you know, we we Alabama, Georgia, and Florida formed years ago for National Peanut Dollars, the Southern Peanut Research Initiative, where since we're three uh, large peanut-producing states, uh, we wanted to try to look at those research projects in all three states to make sure we didn't have the duplication of effort, to make sure those dollars were going to to projects that uh, something wasn't being duplicated in Alabama and Georgia. If it was, that we try to get those researchers to work together. And I think that was uh, uh, a wise decision back then, whenever that was implemented, try to stretch those dollars as far as we possibly could. I do too, because y'all are communicating between the three states, making sure you're not duplicating research projects at the different research universities and what i like about it is some of your universities have uh, specific scientists uh, who who focus on one area better than others and uh, so y'all put you put your money where the strengths are 
and it's worked out really well. We see that when you look at the average yield of peanuts in the United States, um, looking at, for example, back in 2007, the average yield was 3,036 pounds per acre. And if you look at 2021, the average U.S. yield was almost 4,100 pounds per acre. And um, it's just an exceptional year. And the 4,000-pound average is not something we hit every year, but it's uh, something that we we certainly get close to every year these days. And, you know, the, the, the results we're seeing from our production research is exciting. And what that means is that uh, peanuts are one of the more uh, profitable uh, crops that a southern peanut, a, a southern farmer can grow. I had a farmer from Georgia tell me uh, recently he said peanuts carried our farm last year and in recent years. And even though we're seeing exceptionally high, if not record, prices for other commodities, peanuts still have a place on the farm uh, and will have the advantage of uh, not having to rely on so much fertilizer as some of the other crops. And now a word from our sponsor, Alabama Ag Credit. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit, and while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. You stated one of the missions of the National Peanut Board is to promote peanuts and peanut products. What audience is the National Peanut Board primarily targeting now, and how are y'all targeting them? We made the decision about six years ago to really take a hard look at our marketing plan and, and how we were marketing. And at the time, we were primarily using print advertising in our marketing campaigns. And we felt like that millennials... Uh, who are um, approaching 40 years old now, uh, down to um, the mid-20s, weren't looking at, at uh, magazines and newspapers anymore. They were using electronic devices to get their information. They were using smartphones, tablets, maybe computers, but primarily smartphones. And so we uh, made the decision that we were going to start targeting that generation using digital advertising. And we did that through uh, Twitter and um, Facebook to some extent, Instagram. Uh, so we we try to go to those consumers where they are, and they're not buying magazines. I had a, I had a baby boomer, which I'm a boomer, say, what about us? We also buy peanuts. And my response to that is, yes, we do buy peanuts, and we buy a lot of peanuts, and we're important consumers, but baby boomers have pretty much made their decisions in life, and millennials had not. We also saw that millennials have a great deal of influence on the generation above them, their parents or baby boomers, and the generations below them, their younger siblings and their children. And so we put our efforts there. We didn't have enough money to focus on every generation. 
and so we decided that millennials were uh, a large population with a lot of disposable income and a lot of influence, and that's where we should put our money. Now we're also beginning to focus on the Gen Z generation as they get out of college and they go out into the world. Well, that uh, targeting effort has definitely been working as evidenced by our record consumption numbers, so kudos to National Peanut Board's efforts and keep up good work in that space. Jacob, we we know that um, millennials are the first generation to um, have either themselves or friends with peanut allergies in schools. And so they've been marketed heavily to by other nuts, and we felt like that it was important that we that we focus on that generation. Well, Bob, we know inflation's on everybody's mind. Um, uh, rising cost of, of everything. Uh, $4 gas is, is right around the corner if it hadn't already hit your neighborhood. So how has uh, peanuts and, and peanut butter uh, fared with these inflationary prices? That's an interesting question, Jacob, because um, it, I think that's another great story that peanuts and peanut butter have to tell. The price of peanut butter and, and uh, snack peanuts has not really increased like other foods have. We get uh, retail consumer scan data, and I look back at uh, the cost of a pound of peanut butter at retail level in 2016 was $2.33 a pound. In 2021, through three quarters, we don't have the fourth quarter data yet. The average price per pound is only two thirty seven. So the price of peanut butter has increased only four cents a pound since twenty sixteen, which is pretty amazing. And you think, well, how can that be? How can how can peanut butter and snack peanuts, which have actually gone down, I think snack peanuts were three dollars and ten cents a pound in twenty sixteen and they're only two eighty one through first three quarters of uh, 2021, so snack peanuts have gone down 9%. I look back at the cost, at the wholesale price of raw shell medium runner peanuts, which is the the largest uh, size and type of peanut produced in, in Alabama, for example, uh, back to 1974, and it's really some interesting numbers. The price of a pound of peanuts to a wholesale, to a manufacturer in 1974 was 35 cents a pound. And in today's dollars, that would be a dollar 84. And looking at it each uh, decade, the, uh, the price in 1984 was up to 50 cents, which would be a dollar 25 in today's dollars. And if you fast forward to uh, 2014, for example, 50 cents a pound. Uh, would translate to 55 cents, and today's price of raw peanuts is 55 cents a pound. So, if you if you look back over the years, peanuts are a fraction of the price that they were in uh, 1974. So, going back uh, 48 years, if I'm doing my math right, um, the price of peanuts is a third of what it is when adjusted for inflation. And what we see that translate into is more and more peanut 
products on the shelves because peanuts are an affordable ingredient for manufacturers. And the good thing about it, which some farmers would say they'd like to get more for their peanuts than they do, and this year it seems they will, but um, as we've increased the yields and and uh, productivity and the cost of production has gone down, peanut farmers have been able to produce peanuts uh, at a cost per ton that's still very competitive and allows for raw peanuts to be competitive. So uh, a friend said recently that what that really means to him is peanuts are almost anti-inflationary, and they are. Peanuts are just a great value to consumers. Absolutely. Well, Bob, we certainly appreciate uh, you taking time out of your busy schedule to to join us today. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? I just appreciate the chance to um, to come on and talk about peanuts. It's an exciting time. We uh, we certainly have some headwinds ahead of us as domestic consumption seems to be uh, peaking, and we're seeing increases in um, labor and freight and um, availability of trucks. That um, we think the demand is there for peanuts. But we certainly have concerns about the uh, supply chain and the ability of manufacturers to get peanuts on a timely basis and get the products to consumers. But um, we also worry about the export uh, side of the, the business. That's been also very good. But China has uh, cut back on their buying. Their market is not as strong. But uh, sometimes China can come in on short notice and start buying, and we hope that'll happen again soon. But it's a good time for the business. It's certainly um, uncertain times overall, and uh, we're glad to be able to produce a uh, food that's nutritious, sustainable, and affordable. And absolutely delicious. Thanks again, Bob. Uh, and thank You're you welcome. to our audience for joining us for this week's Alabama AgCast. And now, your weekly AgCast wrap-up. This is Carla Hornady, Commodity Director for the Alabama Farmers Federation with this week's wrap-up. Last week, we took 80 farmers into Washington, D.C. We had a great time and very productive meetings. We heard from Senator Tuberville and Senator Bozeman. Both shared similar concerns with our members and appreciated us coming to D.C. During our small group meetings, We met with the American Farm Bureau Federation, House Ag Committee, Senate Ag Committee, national organizations like National Cattlemen's Beef Association, National Cotton Council, National Corn Growers, and American Forest Foundation. Several small groups also included meetings with the Alabama delegation and staff. Topics discussed included trade, labor, supply chain issues, rising input costs, conservation practices, and the Farm Bill. We know many of these topics are on the minds of farmers across not only our state, but our country. As many of you will soon begin working in the fields, please know we will continue to stay on top of these issues and do what we can to keep you farming. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. 
For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.